Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of WrestleNomics Radio. I'm Brandon Thurston, broadcasting live and on demand from Buffalo, New York, where today is Sunday, March the 27th, 2022. But I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host and uh, ring announcer who will be appearing on multiple events across the big weekend, WrestleMania weekend, next weekend, Chris Gull. Hello. Yeah, it's good. Good to be here uh, Sunday morning here, and yeah, uh, we'll do my rundown of my schedule later on when we do the shills and the plugs, but we do have a pretty jam-packed episode here, Brandon, to talk about. We're going to discuss Triple H's interview with Stephen A. Smith, uh, lots of uh, tidbits uh, that came out of that there to discuss. We're also going to talk about uh, WWE's future relationship with 2K uh, in the video game world, uh, the MENA TV rights deal which has been a discussion for quite a few years here. We're also going to discuss a Gable Stevenson interview that he had with Ariel Hawani on the MMA hour and much more on the last WrestleNomics before WrestleMania. So where would you like to begin? Well, we will begin with Triple H uh, and his interview with Stephen A. Smith where, well, let's just get right to it. He announced his retirement from in-ring competition in that interview. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not going to play his retirement uh, clip or anything like that, but um, where is this? Uh, yeah. So if we, uh, you want to go to uh, where he's talking about um, his future as an executive he obviously announced his retirement on this uh, this interview, which most people listening to are, are aware. Um, so here's Stephen A. Smith asking him if he's going to continue on as an executive. For me. Totally get that. What are you going to be doing in the wrestling world as an executive now? Because we know you're not le- – I can't imagine you're letting that go. No, no. My foot's not off the gas. I, I – I suppose in some manner I've got to step back a little bit. I'm, I'm still in recovery, and my uh, my endurance is not exactly quite what it used to be before. But right now I'm I'm back. I'm at the office. I am uh, fully focused on recruiting and development of our talent in the future. And you know, wh- whether that's building more performance centers, whether that's finding the next uh, young stud that's out there, male or female, like uh, Gable Stevenson, uh, you know, who recently two time. NCAA champion, gold medalist at the Olympics, right? His, his next step is, is, uh, as you saw him leaving his, his shoes in the, in the, on the mat the other day, his next step is with WWE and with us. It's finding that. It's creating that future. And that's the biggest focus for me. And as we move forward from there, it's, uh, it's making sure that WWE is a success for generations to come. So there's that. Um, video issues may be continuing here, but I'm going to turn it on for now. Um, so as expected, Paul Levesque is going to continue working as an executive for WWE. Um, he says he's back in the office. He's in the office. Um, I think he was out of the office for a long time. And, uh, you know, there's some discussion here, too, about this happened in September. Why did it take so long? And he says that he didn't know exactly what, what his health condition was. And he didn't want to come out and say a bunch of things and then be wrong about it and correct it. But, you know, as we expected, he's... uh going to continue it as an executive even though he's he's basically says in here he's got a defibrillator a pacemaker in his chest yeah. so he will not be wrestling any, uh, anymore um so that's that clip um any any other thoughts or prompts before we go on to the next one 
it just seems like he is going to be probably an, an integral part in this next in line program. Like that's kind of what they're having him do. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know to look at these athletes, recruit these athletes. So kind of similar to what he was doing with the independent wrestlers, but it's more into what Vince is looking for. Yes. Um. So here's uh the next topic we'll 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 cover here is that Stephen A. Smith. I th- you know he he not only would he make a great wrestling manager, obviously. Stephen A. Smith would, would fit right in here on WrestleNomics because he goes right into the business and talks to Executive Vice President Paul Levesque about the state of the business, the wrestling business. WrestleMania 38, Super Bowl. That's 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 the Super Bowl in that's a lot it. of people's eyes. It's big time, no question about it. We've got Brock Lesnar, we've got Roman Reigns. When you look at what's going on right now with the WWE, the world of wrestling, how do you feel? about where the business is at this particular moment in time, because I think it's booming. Uh, it is it, w- without a doubt. And I do believe that we're just nicking the surface of where it will be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's every single year it grows and it grows and it grows, right? WrestleMania this year will be an AT&T stadium for two nights mm. in front of, you know, hundreds of thousands of people probably over those two nights. It's, it's massive on a global scale. The reach of it is incredible. Um, we're just nicking the surface internationally of where we can be. We're, we're, we're growing by leaps and bounds. And I think. Okay. So the, the business is on fire, apparently. Uh, WrestleMania 38. Jesus. Super Bowl. That's, that's. Thank you. Thank you, Stephen A. Um, <laughs> Stephen A. Smith thinks that the, the business is on fire. Uh, maybe just reflective of what he sees as the media coverage or his proxy. That has to be it. Um, no, no. I mean, there, I believe there is this phenomenon roughly after, I think Bix has made this argument that roughly after, you know, the Randy Savage death, there was a lot of mainstream coverage of, of pro wrestling, uh, after that, you know, upon that moment and after it, uh, to an extent that was not the case before. Um, and that sounds about right to me. Um, I think the business had a good increase in interest in the couple years following the launch of the network. I see that in Google web search. I saw, you see that in um, ticket sales peaking at 2017. After 2017, there's a decline in various areas. Um, yes. So WrestleMania attendance. Why don't, why don't we jump there? Let's go to WrestleMania <laughs> attendance. We'll come back. Hundreds to of thousands. <laughs> we'll come back to Triple H with his his comments on another topic, and uh, we'll, we'll we'll do that. So WrestleMania, are you going to WrestleMania on on Sunday? There were there were, there were negotiations about possibly going on Sunday. Uh, I don't. Know I why may you're not going to both. Be days. going tonight too. I still don't know the, the decision yet. You uh, WWE could not lure you over from the competition to go to night one. Is that is that true? You're running head to head competition uh, with WWE, correct? I am. I I I am I am uh, ring announcing a show that will have uh, Ricky Morton on it. So I get to ring announce Ricky Morton in the ring. To me, my personal interest more important than WrestleMania night one. So WrestleMania night one. According to WrestleTix last count, um, one of these is as of the 24th, a couple days ago. One of these is a little bit older, the, the count. This is a harder uh, ticket map to count, I believe, because this is on this, this map is from SeatGeek as opposed to Ticketmaster, which is easier to count. Um, anyway, night one, currently at tickets distributed, tickets out. So this would include 
tickets that are unavailable because they could be comped. But I would think, you know, something like 95% of these are paid. 68856 for night one. That's Saturday. WrestleMania Sunday. Get, get, the, get the verbiage right. I don't know if they're using night one or night two. WrestleMania Saturday. WrestleMania Sunday. Um, 58000 on Sunday. 715. 58,715. Night one, 60,856. As of Russell Tick's last count, that totals, that totals to 119,500 tickets out for both days combined. Um, as we remember, uh, WrestleMania 32 in 2016, they announced 101,763. Arlington Police Department told me 80,000, um, 193 or something like that. Um, I was just looking through my old emails, in fact, to, uh, to see, to see, uh, what exactly they had, uh, sent me. WrestleMania attendance. I just want to look this up to get the, uh, the number. Uh, which, which I reported on Fightful about a year after the event. Um, let's see here. 2016. I'm not quickly finding it because I'm uh, in a, in a big rush here. Um, Arlington police. If I search for Arlington police, 80,000. Uh, let's see here. It is loading. 80,709. 80,700. And nine. So they can put well over 160,000 when you have two days. 160,000 would be, would be the, about the capacity. They're at about 120 out of 160,000. I don't think we'll actually really know, like, statistically how much it's factored, but it has to be the resistance of probably international travelers. I mean, yes, we could talk about the and everything too but we have to the, i would imagine like there's probably less international fans that that are going to this year's wrestlemania true yeah i think i think there's if not hesitation because of covid I and mean, covid cases are pretty low in the united states at this point um but uh it's i don't think it's i i mean i haven't looked into it and i should look into it like how if you're in the uk right now how difficult or easy it is, is it to travel to the u.s you know what kind of testing would be required i don't I doubt that there's quarantine happening still. Um, but yeah. Uh, so how big will this number be that they announce? What will they announce for each of these days? What if they don't announce each two days and just on night two, oh, a total WrestleMania record attendance, breaking a record, and it shows like 116,000 or 17,000 or where it might be. Now, I think they'll announce a number for both days. Okay. Last year, so this is this is last year. Last year was limited capacity. Uh I got this from the Tampa Sports Authority and other reporters got this from the Tampa Sports Authority. Last year they announced with limited capacity, remember this was in in Tampa, the Raymond James Stadium. They announced an identical number on both days because, you know, it was a sellout so I get, they reached capacity allegedly. Um they announced 25,675 last year for each day. Uh, they really sold about 20,000 for each day. Uh, and fewer than that attended <laughs> for whatever reason. Uh, so if you look at the, uh, the prior years and we have this, uh, I've, I've, uh, sort of souped up this, this graph here that people are seeing on the screen. It's also on this mug, another version on this mug, the classic, uh, 
exaggerated attendance chart looking at. So last year they announced a total. If you combine those two numbers that are over 25,000, you get to 51,350 where the paid attendance was really 40,806. Anyway, I can say a bunch of numbers here. Let's look at to what percentage do they exaggerate their attendance? And to determine this, since 2008, WB has put out this great document called the Key Performance Indicators, WB's own reporting. And what they'll do is they'll show the quarterly attendance averages in North America and in the quarter that contains WrestleMania, because WrestleMania is such a highly attended event and it's been in a stadium since 2008. In fact, 2007, it's been in a stadium. They will exclude WrestleMania. They will show the bar. Here's what it is with WrestleMania. Here's what it is without WrestleMania. And uh, that gives us an opportunity to practice our algebra. And we can use those those two averages to get a range within which the paid attendance must have landed. Uh, We take the median of that range, and then we compare that to what they announced, and this is what we get. Uh, An increase of anywhere between 8%, I said they do go as low as 7% in 2010. Somewhere between 7% and as high as 27% is how much they're exaggerating the attendance. Um, I don't think even now, I know Vince did say after the, uh, the last, last uh, WrestleMania, he did say this. In fact, we have it right here. In addition to that, just a little bit more color WrestleMania. We were proud to set our attendance record of over a hundred thousand, which includes, by the way, uh, ushers and ticket takers and all of that. It wasn't 101,000 paid, but nonetheless, it was a record for us. So that's Vince, you know, making it clear that, okay, it wasn't 101,000 paid. I, I wonder what led him to bring that up because he brought that up unprompted. I wonder if there were questions being directed towards investor relations about that. Um, you know, people always bring up around WrestleMania attendance. How can they be exaggerating the attendance? They're a publicly traded company. Wouldn't they be uh, in, in trouble with the SEC? When it comes to attendance, apparently not, no. But what they do also disclose, uh, m- most WrestleManias, I don't think they disclosed it last year, but they'll they'll put in the press release the gate. WrestleMania 32 in 2016, one, uh, it was $17.3 million. That is the all-time biggest pro wrestling gate ever adjusted for inflation. $17.3 million. Still not as high as one Saudi Arabia event, a bot show, but for as far as a show that actually sold tickets that the, that the, that the wrestling company collected. That is the biggest wrestling live gate ever. Um, so they do disclose that. I don't believe that number is exaggerated. Now we're talking about dollars and I don't think they're, I don't think they're being as reckless with that number as they are with this number. Um, and people will raise to, Oh, but come on. Everybody does this in college football. Everybody exaggerates their tenants. I don't know. Maybe, um, why, uh, why does this, is this a subject of such controversy? And we're not even going to talk today about WrestleMania three. Holy crap. Um, what was the real attendance there? But why, why, why is WrestleMania attendance such a subject of controversy, Chris Gall? I, I think it's because WWE puts the event as, like said, their Super Bowl. Stephen A. Smith said it earlier in the clip there, and but people don't, you know, people don't argue about what the Super Bowl attendance is. No, but like. There- says this is the biggest show, this is the biggest draw, and people are going to be critical because they just can logistically look at those numbers and go, wait a minute here. Um, I did have a question for what you were saying. Is the reason why attendance 
it can't be SEC regulated? Is it because of compensation tickets? Almost every entertainment and every venture does do comp tickets. Is that why, you know, the number wouldn't really equate to the financials? I just think it's just, it's not a financial number. It's a number that has some bearing on finances, but it's not like, I'm not telling you that I, that I made $25 million when really I only made 17. That changes my estimate about what your company's doing financially. Um, yeah. And, and who I, maybe I put uh, 20,000 people in there for free, which even if you include ushers and ticket takers and all of that, I, I don't think they're getting from 80,000 through the turnstiles, 80,709 to 101,763, a difference of roughly 20,000. I don't think there's 20,000 stadium staff workers and event workers, W workers and all that. 20,000? 20,000? I always thought they just had all the weekend. They're like, oh yeah, we had this many at the Hall of Fame. We had this many (laughs) at Access. So why I think this is... WrestleMania three, WrestleMania thirty-two, those two especially, because those are those are the records. And and it's why? Because it's one of the reasons why WrestleNomics matters. If people care, and there's actually a, a, a whole podcast and a brand of wrestling media that's just dedicated to the economics of wrestling because this is sort of the scoreboard of wrestling. Uh, we, we know that pro wrestling is is predetermined. I've read that on the internet. The wins and the losers are decided by Somebody, usually one person, and uh, everybody can have their taste about who's their favorite wrestler or who should win. And ultimately, we look to the business metrics to verify whether somebody made a good creative decision or not, at least relative to its its out its uh, output as a business decision. And so we look to the scoreboard, the attendance, uh, the the place that WrestleMania's business performance holds in history. Uh, so I think that it matters in a way that the attendance for the Super Bowl doesn't matter because at the end of the Super Bowl, there's a score and people know that um, the Rams won the Super Bowl last year or this year. They know what the final score was. Um, we're going to know who won the Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns match after Sunday night. But um, that was predetermined by Vince McMahon. He decided there wasn't any sort of economic result there or, you know, real performance result there. Um, it's, it just sort of changes the level to which the success really happened, I guess. And the case, it's not like WrestleMania three wasn't this gigantic show and probably, you know, the biggest wrestling show of all time to, up to that point. Um, it just probably wasn't 93,000. Maybe maybe it wasn't even 78,000. Maybe it was a little bit more than that. But anyway, uh, it, it's not like WrestleMania 32 wasn't the biggest wrestling show of all time in terms of a live gate, not counting Saudi Arabia events. Um, it's just that it didn't have 101,000, not just paid, but total. It didn't have 101,000 spectators there. It had a little bit over 80,000 spectators there, which is still among the biggest, I don't know, like, I think that's... Especially if, I don't know, WrestleMania 3 probably, I tend to think, and I'll, to digress into WrestleMania 3, the question around WrestleMania 3, I think, ultimately, ultimately revolves around what really was the capacity of an now-demolished building, the Silverdome? Was it really the 80,000 that uh, it was published to be? Or are those attendances themselves, those capacities themselves actually exaggerated? Anyway, 
Um, so the business matters a lot more in, in wrestling to wrestling fans, at least some of them, than the business matters in uh, football, basketball, college football, the Pope, attendances. <laughs> um. Ragnar Lothbrok had some uh, pertinent information we were talking about. Uh, so it was 24 hours prior to travel to the U.S. with a COVID test for from the U.K. And okay. then he also stated uh, that uh, 2,000 to three thousand to 3,500 people uh, normally work for a football events at stadiums. So I see. Okay, so you can count on here's the, here's the end, end point here is that you can count on this attendance for WrestleMania on Saturday and Sunday being exaggerated by about 20%, I would guess. So, uh, it, it's, it's hard to say what, what are these final days going to do to this tickets distributed number that WrestleTix is going to report? It's going to go higher, but how much? I don't know. Maybe 65,000 on each day to just to take a guess off the top of my head. That would put the total tickets distributed, if that's the case. If it's 65,000 on each day, that would put it at about 130,000. Um, and I would expect to uh, see the, uh, the, the attendance exaggerated by about 20%. So if it's 65 out, just exaggerate that by 1.2 and we get to 78. I feel like 78,000 is not enough for them. To, to announce, you know, I feel like this, this is, it's, it'll be interesting to see what they do in a building where we know Jerry world is a hundred thousand people. And this is where they set their record before I I'm, I'm confident they'll be comfortable not announcing a hundred thousand on each day, but I think they're going to have to go pretty high. Right. I don't know. What do you think? It may be 90,000. On each day, 93, they should just announce 93,100 and whatever. Just one more than Detroit. Yes. Anyway, there's WrestleMania attendance. Um, it is up from the last measurement here. This would be, I don't know, roughly three weeks ago, four weeks ago, where it was 56 and almost 56. Again, we are now at about 61 and about 59,000 for the respective days. Uh, there's that. Oh, I did, see. I had that. I had this uh, this slide here the whole time with the uh, my fightful report. Anyway, back to Triple H. Anyway, yeah, back, back to Triple H. But we'll be talking some more WrestleMania week events attendance later on in the show. Yes, yes. That's a Chris Gullo edited portion of this program. <laughs> now back to Stephen A. How about how about the stars? When when are we going to see? Oh, let me just take let him take it away. How challenging is it going to be for you? To find that next somebody, somebody that's a transcendent. I know you can find somebody that's going to be big for the WWE, but I'm talking about transcendent figures. Isn't that the challenge of Triple H? Because you're the guy that finds guys like that. It absolutely is. Larger than life is what we're after. Right. Right. You're 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 not looking for the guy that you can see. Nobody pays to see their next door neighbor. Mm -hmm. Their next door neighbor lives next door. You don't need to pay. Look out the window. They want to see somebody larger than life that they can't believe exists. Uh, you, when you look around today, you see that already. I think when you look back 10 years from now, you're going to see Roman Reigns as one of those transcendent figures. I think mm-hmm. you're going to see people like Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair mm-hmm. as those transcendent Ronda figures. Rousey. Let's Ronda, not get her. Ronda Rousey. You know, Brock Lesnar. What made Brock Lesnar more famous? The fact that he came from WWE, went to UFC or where he is now. Like they, mm-hmm. There's so many aspects to that. They're already there. 
right? It's it's funny that in the moments of it, when John Cena was first coming along, people were like, hey, he's good, but he's never going to be that transcendent figure. And here he is, where he is. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah, the, oh, the, no question. The peacemaker, all, all the things that he has going on, he transcends. The Rock, biggest box office star in Hollywood. You know, all, all those things happen over time. The people are there in place now. The funny thing about what we do is sometimes you can plan for this person to be the biggest thing in the world, and it's not that one. It's the, this one over here that you're not looking at that just won't take no for an answer, and and they just light the world on fire. You know, Becky Lynch is a great example of that. She just came in and said, I'm going to be the biggest thing here, and no matter what anybody thought about it, she went and did it, and, and she succeeded. Here we go. Um, WrestleMania, this, uh, this coming weekend will be uh, – loaded with various celebrities and uh, others who are um, all performance center projects. This, this, this WrestleMania is really going to be a tribute to the performance center. I would say with the likes of Logan Paul, Johnny Knoxville, Pat McAfee, Dominic, Ronda Rousey. They've, they've all probably visited or at least thought about the performance center. Uh, so um, looking forward to that. Um, uh, interesting that that uh, that Paul Levesque talks about uh, WWE as as if it's like all uh, it's all like a meritocracy where where if you know you can't, just can't deny some people like like I mean Becky Lynch is the strongest argument in in that direction but um, you know I think uh, you know there's the notion and I think I was talking about this with um, with Nate Milton and and Chris Ely on the NBA podcast which is on the post wrestling feed. Blog. Um, the notion that WWE doesn't want to create stars. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the the, the, the brand is the draw, and and WWE doesn't doesn't really want that big star because Roman Reigns is going to go do movies eventually. You know he is, and he's going to be a part timer, and just like John Cena did, just like The Rock did. By the way, did you see The Rock's tweet about uh, Triple H and his retirement? I did not see that. No, because there wasn't one. There wasn't one. Anyway, uh, does does WWE not want to create stars. Do you, do you believe that brand is the draw? No, I, I, they, they need to. Um, I think they, they think the brand's the best platform to build stars. I don't think they could just take a star who was a star in say AEW or impact and just put him right in. And he's going to be our biggest star. Their brand builds the stars, but yeah, no, I, I think they're, they, they know they need cash cows. And after reigns in Lester, who is it? You know, and who is that next big star? And I think we're going to talk about one who they probably are eyeing their <laughs> have their eye on doing that a little bit later on in the WrestleMania thirty eight. Sorry, Stephen, I just can't contain himself sometimes. Um, I I think the brand is more powerful than ever, and I don't just mean WWE's brand. I mean brands in wrestling are more powerful than ever before. If um, if you talk to some older folks, older than us even about wrestling back in the day we're from buffalo we have you ever talked to people about wrestling at the odd yes yes um which is the old building has now been torn it was torn down in the 90s where wrestling used to happen probably weekly i don't know um and they don't talk do they talk about the wwwf which it was called at the time or they just talk about wrestling is this wrestling? You know, oh, I remember seeing Bruno, and you know, and I remember seeing, and I even talked to people that old, 
pre-odd stuff like uh Yukon Eric and uh you know uh Elio DePaulo and the Gallagher brothers and whatnot. Do they talk about the NWA or anything like that? No. No. Yeah. They Just talk about the, the wrestling in, in in our region is the NWF, right? With P- Pedro Martinez? Yes, pa- yeah, Pedro Martinez. Uh it was uh uh um I'm trying to think here. But yeah, the NWF, but it was a very short territory. Then we became a WWF town. Yeah. And I think so in, in the seventies into the eighties where pr- promotions brands are things such as Jim Crockett promotions, uh, the brand wasn't something that was focused on, um, until Me- yeah. Memphis wrestling is a big thing. No one knew it as CWA ever, no. ever. No, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I mean, think about the, the number two, company in in at least this country in, in the into the late 80s was was it was it mid-atlantic wrestling jim crockett promotions w was the nwa wcw it, i don't think that 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 entity was really defined as anything that well until i mean clearly it was jim crockett promotions in the late 80s but i don't know that people were like oh when's jim crockett promotions coming on they were like when's wrestling coming on or I'm sure there was a distinction made between a lot of fans between the NWA and the WWF, but there wasn't a strong brand identity like there is today. Where now that's such an, a ubiquitous thing that the smallest indies, you know, have brand identity because that's what we've all, and that's what consumers and wrestling fans have been educated to expect that this, this, this is a company that has to has a, have a name. Wrestling companies did not have names that were so well-defined until the last few decades. And if you talk to people nowadays about wrestling within the last 20, 30 years, they usually say, oh, yeah, the WWF or, oh, that WWE stuff. And we even see it in, in press articles. I mean, we were reading the gimmicks press release and they said WWE stars Luke Gallows and uh, and Carl Anderson. And, you know, they haven't been with the company in over a year. Um it, they've created that brand where they're the term for wrestling. Yeah. Or, I mean, moving well, Vince has wanted to re rephrase it to sports entertainment, but I think there has been some, some ground gained in their favor in terms of some people don't even call it wrestling. Some people just call it WWE. It looks like they're doing WWE over there. Like, I mean, you ever you watch any, any football game. I, I was becoming very, really sensitive to this, watching the bills this season was that anytime there was some, tomfoolery happening after the whistle like once a game you would get some some commentator being like oh looks like looks like wwe out there or 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 looks like the world wrestling federation they're still they're still in in 2001 um anyway anyway is the brand of the draw well here's the thing the brand is more powerful and important than ever and well def- more well defined than ever i think WWE is a, is a very it's a very divisive consumer brand, to say the least. It's a divisive consumer brand that has a lot of negative connotations to it to a lot of would-be wrestling fans and would-be WWE fans. That aside, it's a very identifiable brand with people like Stephen A. Smith and mainstream media people who don't follow wrestling that closely, don't listen to critical podcasts where people like Chris Gullo go after WWE every single week. But anyway brand is stronger and more important than ever in response to the brand as a draw. Secondly, uh, W doesn't want to create these stars. I don't believe that. 
if W didn't want to create these stars, they would make it, they would try to create a diversity of stars, multiple stars to the extent that they have tried to create Roman reigns. Uh, why not try to make, why not divide the effort that they've put into making Roman reigns a star into like three people, but they've put so much effort into that one person. If WWE didn't want to make a star because they were worried that that star is going to leave the company, which is a legitimate risk, right? And there's a track record now of it happening with The Rock, with Austin's injury, with Punk getting up and leaving. Now with John Cena going on into show business. I mean, ultimately, some of this is about age. John Cena was three years old. There you go. But uh, to my view, they clearly put tremendous effort and resources and time and opportunity cost into developing Roman Reigns. And nobody to that, to that, comparable extent and if they didn't want to make stars that were huge do you think this company isn't trying to make stars to the to the strongest uh of their abilities they're trying that that's what they're doing they're trying now whether or not they can or not you know i think vince has totally lost touch and has lost the trust of his audience a large portion of them besides the ones who respond to the to the to the ratings to me on twitter uh, those people are still with him, but there's, you know, oh, there's, you know, I mean, look at, look at AEW's ratings in terms of like, you know, I, I, I think uh, Gavin Bridge and Variety came up with some data showing that, you know, maybe there's a, uh, there's still a lot of crossovers. There's still, I'm sure this, this is not like a, a, a binary consideration. There's still a lot of people who to some extent and to various extents are following both. I think most of the people who are listening to this right now are following both W and AEW. Um, but I bet that there's a lot of people who are, you know, they're sort of diverging to one or the other. And all those people who are choosing AEW, which is not an insignificant amount of people, 1 million people who are watching it every Sunday, or I'm sorry, every Wednesday, um, nearly equal, comparable in the demo of 18 to 49. All those people who are not, most of them, I, I think, you know, maybe let's, let's be generous and say half of them are not watching Raw, even if it's only half of them, you know, and, you know, AEW is doing like a, did a 4.41 in the demo. So let's just say only ha- you know, half of them are not watching Raw. That's still a 0.20 in the demo. Raw did a 0.50 in the demo. They could be doing a 0.70 in the demo. Uh, let's say 500,000 of those people could be watching Raw and aren't. You know, W is doing 1.7 million viewers, something like that. They could be doing 2.3 million viewers for Raw. They could be doing, you know, 2.7, 2.8 million viewers for SmackDown. If only they could, you know, capture this audience, this other audience, which is just so, just so uh, mercurial and you can't satisfy them. And so they just have to be discounted because their taste doesn't align with Vince McMahon's taste. Anyway, where was I going? Who's the, who's W's next star? Uh, I would say it's either Braun Breaker or Gable Stevenson that they're going to at least project to be that. Yes, um, Braun ba- Breaker fit, fits the mold because he's uh, he's got that lineage. We can't acknowledge his lineage on TV, but he's got it, and that's good. Um, and Gable Stevenson, who uh, just won the NCAA championship in his weight class, but he's a heavyweight for the second time. He's an Olympic gold medalist. He's the star of the NIL program. Um, 
So he was interviewed in the run-up to WrestleMania. He was interviewed by Errol Hawani this week. And um, what did they talk about, Chris Cole? Well, first off, they talked about uh, him. Is he going to write to the main roster, or is he is he going to bypass NXT? And uh, we actually have a clip for that here. Um, as of right now, I'm not. I mean, I believe so. I think um, yeah. NXT is a great program. My brother's on NXT, so I, I love to, to watch it and tune in. And he's doing a great job down there, too. So I think um, the plan for me was to go to Monday Night Raw and start out there and just produce myself and just be myself on TV right there. If it was up to you, uh, good guy or bad guy? <laughs> good that goes to bad. Okay. So start off but, good. Yeah, start off good. I mean, make the make the fans love you and then turn to the bad guy, kind of like Roman Reigns did. Or, I mean, even any storyline they give, I mean, I'm going to accept it. I'm going to go put my best foot forward on it. And I just, I love to, I love to be on camera. I love to do my, my thing and just bring a variety of who Gable Steveson actually is to the, to the outside world. And I'm assuming you'll be yourself, like, they'll use your name, right? They're not going to change your name or anything yes. like this? Now, yes, I'll, um, I'll be just Gable, Gable Steveson. Now, what do we do about Chad Gable? Like, we need to have a talk with him, right? We, 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 we're going to have to have a talk with him. I mean, I don't even know when we might even talk to him. It could be WrestleMania. It could be somewhere else. But I just, I'm just not sure. It's going to be awkward. You can't have two Gables. You can't. You can't, but right now we do. And yeah. so there might have to be a little switcheroo. Okay. I don't know, but I love Chad, too. He's a cool dude. So he's going to, it could, could be this weekend that they have a talk. Um. I mean, he's having the talk right there, right now with Ariel Hawani this week. Um, I don't know if Gable, uh, Chad Gable was watching, but um, do you think... Uh, I'm sure he's heard by now. <laughs> do, do you think um, Gable Steveson and uh, Chad Gable will be uh, having a talk about... Um, Gabe, Gable, Gable Steveson's going to have to inform him that, hey, look, um, you're going to have to change your name. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he would have to have that talk. I think somebody else could just tell Chad Gable that because you know that's what's going to happen anyways. Mm. Yeah. Um let's let's imagine now. And I, I know indie wrestling is is dumb and it's it's this rinky dink uh low low class thing. But um let's imagine for a second that um this was indie wrestling which we're more familiar with and and somebody um was brought in you really seem to be favored by, by, uh, the promoter and, uh, a lot, a lot of people in the office. Um, and in fact, it would be really great if he would, could succeed really well because he's part of this, um, this new program that they're, they're bringing in, uh, to, to sort of justify its, uh, its, its initiative. It's justify the fact that they're doing this NIL program. Um, and let's imagine that, you know, there's this, uh, this other wrestler who's been wrestling for many years for this, this promotion and um, probably a respected wrestler seems to be a pretty good wrestler in the ring. He has the respect of his peers and stuff. And um, you know, this, this new guy who um, hasn't had a match yet, but he's a great athlete. I mean, he looks like he's got a lot of potential. Um, And, uh, but he's, you know, going in the public and then talking about how well this other guy who I've not even talked to yet is probably gonna have to change his name. How, how would that go over in, um, you know, our, our indignant, uh, ind- indignant, not the word. Uh, how would that go over in our, uh, you know, sort of low profile, uh, indie world? Uh, that would not go over well, <laughs> not at all. There would be instant heat. You would say in the locker room. And I, I would think too, 
it, I have ringing out shows with guys with similar and you know uh, similar names like talent with similar. No, names, people will get confused. Like, people will get confused. I've never seen that confused. I mean, this is this is why you know people have a lot of consternation to, and I, about why AEW is not doing bigger ratings. I mean, you look at that first episode that they did in October 2019, they did 1.4 million viewers and they've never done 1.4 million viewers ever again. Could it be because Adam Page and Ethan Page are just, it's, and then there's Page Van Zandt. Oh my, that's a lot of confusion for a lot of people. You can see people just being like, what's happening here? I'm going to change the channel and watch 98 Fiance. Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. I I truly and maybe there. I mean, there's people out there that do everything in this world, but I tr- truly doubt that there is a large number of people that oh these similar names. It's confusing. Like I, at the end of the day, wrestling is all about looks and gimmicks. And yeah, sure, if two people are, if there's an Adam Page and an Adam Cage, and they're both cowboy gimmicks, yeah, maybe that's an issue. But this, and I understand they're both going to be amateur wrestlers. I get that. I get that, but um, so maybe Chad Gable should change his gimmick, but I don't think he should have to change his name, but of course, they're going to make him probably do both. <laughs> I mean, am, I, am, I, am I wrong? Like, maybe he kicks Chad Gable out of the Alpha Academy. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll do this other clip, too, uh, from, from Gable Steveson, uh, just talking about his, his training and, you know, what he's what he's what just his outlook on coming to wb yeah yeah yeah. um okay so so you'll go start there and uh and this is it like we're we're now the career starting you're you're fully into that world uh i'm assuming you've been training oh yeah i've been down to orlando you know my brother tells me everything and gives me the ins and outs while i'm here in minnesota so just um psychologically training and physically too just being down there and hitting the ropes here and there. So it's, um, it's going to be a good time. I mean, I love, I love all the new challenges. I love the, the spotlight that it brings. And I think um, me being who I am, I think I can excel really well in it. Nervous, excited, anxious. How would you describe? I don't, I don't really get nervous. I kind of get anxious to, uh, to perform. Like a lot of people ask me, even like at the NCAA term, like, do I get nervous to run down from the crowd and the sirens playing and all eyes are on you? I think it's more of a excitement anxious to go out there and put on a good time for the people because you know when the lights hit i love when the lights hit because i feel like i perform even better than i should mm-hmm. okay so he's he's hit the ropes a couple times so now you, you you have trained uh many wrestlers um secondhand experience so if you train somebody and they tell their brother their friend everything they learned that that person that they're telling right that person would be ready to have a match correct I mean, somebody who's a level of athlete that he is, he's a Olympic gold medalist and he's done amateur wrestling, college wrestling. Um, he should be exceptionally well suited to be a pro wrestler if he's passionate about pro wrestling. Um, and he should, you know, it's, it's hard to imagine somebody who should be more prepared to take to this quickly. We'll see. Um, Kurt Angle even said himself, though, it's a completely different animal. First off, he didn't want to lose ever. And they had to kind of explain it to him. You're, you're going to have to lose. But Kurt Angle also said it just like the selling and, and you know, looking at the crowd. Because when you're amateur wrestling, you're literally it's just your opponent. You're not worrying about how you look or what you're doing or pacing. It's just get the guy down. I mean, it's, it is a completely different type of thing. Like, I mean, I, I he probably will pick up to it quicker than soon. But. At the end of the day, Kurt Angle still went to Memphis and learned. 
and learned in the warehouse with Dr. Tom Pritchard. Mm-hmm. And uh, WWE, <laughs> the, the snark is getting laid on pretty pretty thickly here. WWE doesn't even have a, have a, um, a Memphis, a, a developmental. They have NXT. He's bypassing NXT. So even if he was going to NXT, um, everybody who's working in NXT right now is developing. I don't know if they're, I mean, I'm sure, obviously they're doing training in the performance center. I don't know if they're doing mock shows in, in, in the performance center when they're not you know, on TV. Uh, but there's no full order loop to get, get experience on. I don't know why they haven't resumed that. Um, there's no not, uh, uh, NXT level up. That the, that's that's the Florida loop, right? And, he, and but he's even s- skipping that, so yeah. he's apparently going straight to Raw. Like I guess Ronda Rousey did it, and you know R- R- I don't know about lately. We'll see what happens on Sunday. But Ronda Rousey had some good matches in her first run, at least. Um, and there's a there's a comparable level of athlete. Uh, yeah. Well, um, we'll see what happens. Um, with Gable Stevenson, I think it's it's a question of you know whether or not somebody becomes a great wrestler and becomes a, a really great addition to a wrestling company, having a great athletic background helps a lot, especially if you're the elite level of athlete that he is, whether or not you're passionate about it is, is a huge factor. Right. And I, I, I don't know enough about him to know, uh, is this, is this something that he just thinks is cool and yeah, I'll do that. And there's, there's talk in this interview that people can watch or listen to, uh, on, on Ariel Hawani's MMA hour about the possibility of him going to UFC. It sounds as if he wants to do this for a bit and then maybe go have some fights in the UFC. Um, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, is, is that that much in, in his mind or, and, and, or is he just really passionate about wrestling? Is this something that he's always wanted to do that he's always studied and that he's uh, put a lot of effort into understanding? Um, if that's the case, and if he's not just under put a lot of effort towards understanding the in-ring aspect and the artistry aspect and the promo aspect, uh, I would think what would come with that, if that's the case, is that he would understand maybe some of the, the political implications of, of what he's saying about Chad Gable and his name change and you know considering his position in the business and Chad Gable's position in the business. But uh, yeah, remains to be seen. But but then again, you know, he he will. I, I'm sure he'll be given every opportunity to succeed and the, his success is uh, will be really helpful for executives decisions being validated. So that will help him a lot too. Yeah. The Chad Gable stuff is kind of falling to me because when you're, when somebody comes in with hardly any in-ring experience, you want to put them in with veterans that have a similar background and and can really coach him through it and all that and you would think chad gable would be somebody that they would probably want to have him as a for one of his first opponents and now like how is that gonna be <laughs> you know i mean who, how willing is chad gable gonna be and i don't know chad gable personally but how willing is he gonna be to want to help gable stevenson knows. after this or maybe he doesn't care at all who knows who knows yeah. if, I, if i were him i would probably retire at this point though uh <laughs> <laughs> or ask for my release anyway uh moving on finally uh, some uh, some video game update. Uh, video yes. game, far as I know, is still well reviewed. What do we have here, Gullo? So uh, WWE 2K22 actually put out a tweet on Twitter. Shout out to WWE and Steph McMahon for their continued partnership and amazing launch of WWE 2K22. Here's to many more years of success, and that's significant because we've heard all these rumors. It's been renewed. The, the deal's been been renewed. That, 
That's what it sounds that like. Many more years was going to get involved, and so so that this is the last flagship launch for the 2K brand on the current deal. I think they have an option to renew. Deal's coming to an end, though, possibly. So it sounds like they made a, a new deal, and this is what they're doing. They're at, they're they're clinking the champagne glasses because they just signed a new agreement. Is that correct? Well, uh, if we uh, go to a CG, CGO, this is from uh, Mike Straw, as reports from uh, CGO and other outlets uh, began to make the rounds on Thursday of an extension being alluded to. More information came to light about the situation. In fact, the post had nothing to do with an extension at all, despite its wording. This was a celebratory photo for a game launch, not an announcement of an extension. A member of the WPR team told SGO. When asked of any update of status of WWE Games license, the same PR staff member said that there was nothing to share at this time. SGO did reach out to sources earlier this week uh, with one member of the 2K team there said there was nothing mentioned internally about the future of w2k they specifically said that the current focus is on support and updates of the current game yes so so this image that was shared online was uh just them celebrating the new the new release um intriguing that we was willing to go on the record media relations and say no this is just a celebratory uh photo for our, and for our launch and not an announcement of an extension in other words, there's no, you know, they're, they're willing to make it clear that there's no deal done here and uh, they're going to have to, uh, you know, give us a good deal to renew. I think that's, that's, that's the vibe that I get from, from that message. So still uh, W2K is the presenting partner of WrestleMania along with Snickers. Look, look forward to integrations. What integrations do you expect to see Monday on raw? Uh, is this WrestleMania raw? WrestleMania SmackDown, WrestleMania, WrestleMania, and WrestleMania, WrestleMania Part 2. I expect to see integrations uh, for both Snickers and W2K across across all the, the content this coming week. All right, we're going to move on to news coming out of the uh, Middle East. Uh, first off, uh, this is actually from CNN Sports. The Saudi Grand Prix is the second race of the new season that comes out on the seventh anniversary of the start of the Civil War in Yemen. The 50-lap race is being held in controversy over the country's human rights records and safety concerns after Yemen's uh, Houthi rebels attacked an oil storage facility near the track Friday. Following the widely reported incident that took place in Jeddah on Friday, there has been an extensive discussion between all stakeholders, the Saudi government, authorities and security agencies who have given full and detailed assurances that the event is secure f1 and sports governing body said in a statement yes yeah, so formula one is doing a, a race in saudi arabia getting some of that sweet saudi money and uh i'll just you know just over from the track there's a uh, the houthi rebels are attacking an oil storage facility so, uh, so, so i mean something that's not unreasonable that could happen while there's a w event there you know i'm just, you know mm-hmm. it's some I get that that could, you know, be a future W controversy where, you know, they're they're doing an event and there's uh well yeah, there's uh there's an attack over there. Um But here we are, this type of stuff's happening, and now that's the third major sports entity in the last couple of years. WWE, Phil Mickelson, and now F one. What's the latest with, with, with Phil? What's the latest? Um I he's I know he's not at all uh playing in the Masters. <laughs> <laughs> which is he didn't play the masters. And I believe he's not doing the PGA tour too. I don't know. I could be wrong with that, but I believe he didn't, he's not, or did not do the masters. Okay. I don't keep up on golf to know if the masters already happened. So, 
Um, but there's a new deal finally for the MENA region. What is the MENA region? That is Middle East, North Africa. So you're looking at, you know, your, your first off your North Africa one in regards to like Egypt and Morocco and that area and then spread into the Middle East, you know, your Saudi Arabia mm-hmm. and Jordan and Yemen and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So W Proud press release this week. What did it say? All right. So, yeah, on that press release, uh, WWE, uh, oh, sorry, the largest and leading group in the Middle East and North Africa, uh, NBC and WWE, today announced a major broadcasting partnership to see, that will see NBC's video on demand streaming service, Shahid, become the new home of the WWE in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia and the rest of the MENA region. This partnership includes all WWE premium live events, kicking off WrestleMania 38 and April 3rd and April 4th, live episodes of Raw and SmackDown, as well as the WWE Network's vast library of original programming and archived content. Additionally, NBC Action, a free-to-air television channel by NBC Group, will broadcast one-hour highlight versions of Raw and SmackDown each week, in addition to WWE Magazine shows Afterburn and Main Event. Mm-hmm. Uh, so WWE um, originally made a deal in, in this region years back with OSN. OSN was uh, this broadcaster that was broadcasting a lot of sports content. Uh, that came to an end in 2019 when they decided to just cut all the sports because there was piracy in the region that was uh, basically giving that content away. Uh, I don't know if it was for free, but it was at least you know infringing on what was supposed to be their exclusive rights for those sports in that region. Um, Goal, you're off camera. And, oh. uh, and uh, so OSN terminated their deal with WWE in 2019, not because WWE is terrible, but because uh, there was piracy in the region that was making it not worth it for them to, to carry the sports. Why, why, why try to, to, to uh, distribute sports if someone else is, broadcasting that content illegally. Um, so OSN dropped them. That was in 2019. We're in the Barrios era. And uh, WWE uh, said that they have a deal agreed to in principle with a, a new partner. Uh, that deal that deal never got done, or at least it, it, until now, never got done. And uh, WWE provided adjusted OEBA projections, profit projections that were... Uh, that depended on a Mina rights deal being completed. Mina rights deal did not get completed. Uh, Barrios and Wilson sold some stock, by the way, uh, in the summer. Um, and W missed its profit projections. Stock took at least a short-term hit. Uh, and this resulted in a class action lawsuit filed in 2020 uh, by Many parties consolidated, um, and uh, we see things uh, in this lawsuit, in the complaint, and in the amended complaint, um, talking about all sorts of things as it relates to the relationship between the Saudi government and WWE. Um, WWE was said to be negotiating with NBC. Who owns NBC? Uh, that would be uh, Comcast. No. Or your NBC. Oh, sorry. NBC's the kingdom of Saudi Arabia, isn't it? NBC, not not NBC, not the yeah, see, that's right. Yeah, MBC. M- yes, MBC is owned by the eighty percent owned by the Saudi government. If, if if nothing has changed recently, how did the Saudi government come to own MBC? Do you know the story there? <laughs> I don't, but I imagine this is ours now. <laughs> well, MBS. Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman, after he took power, he he 
took a lot of the members of the royal family and businessmen, brought them into the Ritz-Carlton and Riyadh, and said, you're not leaving. And uh, this was this is the 2017 Ritz-Carlton shakedown, where um, in the name of fighting corruption, the Saudi government um, basically imprisoned people in the Ritz-Carlton Hotel. Wonderful hotel. Wonderful place to be imprisoned if you're going to be imprisoned, I guess. Um, but, uh, you know, there were allegedly interrogations and things like that. Anyway, the Saudi government ended up, you know, leaving the situation, owning a lot of assets that it didn't own previously, including NBC Sports Group. Uh, so now they're the owners of this television network. Uh, so with that background, this is before this, right? This is 2017. Now they're now NBC, not NBC, M as in Middle East Broadcasting Company. I think that's what it stands for. Something very close to that. MBC and WR are negotiating to make a new TV deal. I mean, you've already got this established relationship with the Saudi government, so might as well negotiate with the MBC Sports Group, I guess. But anyway, um, this amended complaint, um, which is from the plaintiffs, from the from the shareholders who are suing, uh, alleges that uh, these uh, that MBC and WE were far apart on terms. So what it says here is, uh, I'll just read it. Uh, Analysts were, were therefore focused on negotiation of these agreements. Uh, analysts believe that the OSN deal was had an average annual value of between fifteen and twenty million dollars. So uh, people asking me how much is this deal worth that they announced uh, today. So analysts believe uh, this sounds a bit high to me, maybe, but analysts believe, according to this complaint, uh, fifteen to twenty million dollars was the average annual value allegedly, supposedly, of, of the OSN TV deal with an estimated 25 to $30 million revenue contribution in the, in the agreement's final 12 months. It makes sense that it would be higher towards the end of the deal rather than what it you know, A lot of these deals have escalators that, let's say, every year it gets a little bit higher and a little bit higher. Um, anyway, it goes on to say, more importantly, however, it signaled more subscribers and a broader reach for w of WE in the media region by being with NBC Sports Group uh, with continued growth in, in this important market. Uh, okay, so there's that. That's to give you an idea of what, what at least analysts, according to this complaint, believed the deal was worth 15 to $20 million AAV. Let's put that in some context. What's the, the U.S. deal is by far the biggest deal. What's, what's Raw and SmackDown? What are those worth average annual value of these current deals in the U.S.? Um, good good well that, question for Chris Gallo. <laughs> All right. So, I mean, it's uh, so a $250 million. Close. Yeah. Which one? Both together or? Uh, no, uh, all together. We're looking at what, like 450, maybe? 470. 470. 470 yeah. Like 205 million first for SmackDown, yeah. 265 for Raw. Those are the reported numbers. Um, so, uh, number two deal. What's the number two? We're going to dwell on this. What's the number two TV market for WWE in terms of revenue, average annual value? Um, I'm going to guess the UK. No, may it used to be, but they have recently yeah. been surpassed by what market? Is it India? It is India. Who's the partner yes. in India? Oh, uh, <laughs> I know we talked about this a few months ago. 
Yeah. I, I don't know off that, man. Sony. Sony is the partner in India. Yeah. I need what to is, just write all these notes in case you quiz them on me three months later. <laughs> take, take, take a take a random guess. What's the so the value of the US deals for both for Ron Smash and Combined is yeah. about four hundred and seventy million dollars. Four hundred and seventy. What's the average annual value of the deal with Sony in India? I, it's probably what, like twenty million or something like that? Fifty million. Fifty million dollars. Uh UK the former deal is probably worth like $34 million average annual value. Nobody really knows, but um, uh, we, we, by we, I mean, I don't know this, the amalgamation of like analysts and maybe what I think uh, probably slight downgrade or no better than a lateral movement for, for the current deal where they moved from sky and now they're with um, channel five and BT sport. Um, BT sport. UK fans are yelling at me. Um, anyway, now, India's well surpassed UK. Uh, maybe 30, 25, 20 million dollars for the UK. Um, so that, that would put this, this OSN deal or this MENA region deal towards maybe number, number three and maybe number four. Um, so that's what, that's where it was. Um, now, we have uh, there's this uh, confidential witness number one who's speaking on a condition of anonymity uh, because they fear retribution. <laughs> um, what does it say here? At confidential witness one's request, due to potential safety, safety, and retaliatory concerns expressed by confidential witness one, lead plaintiff has removed some identifying details about confidential witness one's employment at MBC during the relevant time frame. Lead plaintiff believes that the details. Of the responsibilities of confidential witness one contained herein are sufficient to satisfy the requirements of the PSLRA. I don't know what that is, but uh, that sounds familiar. Uh, that's a familiar acronym, uh, something legal. However, lead plaintiff can provide additional specificity, including CW1's exact title to the court through an in-camera submission. In-camera does not mean video camera. It means something at some legalese, something or other. Um, but anyway, what we need to know is so... Here's confidential witness one who is an MBC employee purportedly with knowledge of the negotiation says that um, the uh, there's a dis disagreement about the number of OTP subscribers. This gets really confusing to me because it sounds like maybe they're talking about viewers or something like that. But um, there's a dis disagreement about the subscribers or at least I, I, I'll translate this. There's a disagreement about how much of an audience there would be for this is, is what I'm gathering is what he's been gotten at here. Anyway, um, CW1, Confidential Witness 1, says that the estimate that W believes uh, for subscribers uh, was optimistic in NBC's uh, opinion. And uh, NBC projected only 6.5 million WB subscribers at most, according to, to the witness. W rejected this low subscriber figure. So NBC raised the, the estimate somewhat. First to 10 million to be cooperative, and then finally to 15 million. But this was only to please WWE, not because NBC felt the projections were realistic. WWE then reduced its licensing fee ask to 50 million. Um, like previously, they were asking for 80 million. So they reduced their, their asking fee, WWE did, according to, to the witness. Reduced, they reduced their fee to 50 million. Remember, the India deal is 50 million. That's the number two deal worldwide. Anyway. However, NBC felt it could not go above 14.5 million. Confidential Witness 1 was later informed by, or later informed that NBC and WWE concluded their negotiations due to the difference in numbers. So they cannot come to terms. NBC was willing 
according to this, NBC was willing to give them fourteen and a half million, um, which, which on the scale of international TV deals sounds pretty good. I mean, so what's the value of this new agreement between WWE and NBC? Maybe in that range, maybe fifteen million dollars or so. That sounds like a good guess. Maybe a little higher. Who knows? Who knows what the magic of Nick Khan is capable of? But uh, there you go. So that could potentially, who knows, um, could potentially be WWE's number four market, maybe number three market now for, for TV rights fees. Anyway. Speaking of cons, you mentioned Nick Khan. Well, WWE uh, announced that producer and uh, DJ Valentino Khan will perform at WrestleMania 38, where he will welcome fans with the hottest hits in music as they arrive at AT&T Stadium each night in Dallas. And a follow-up with that, Darren Ravel posted, I knew WWE President Nick, Khan, Nick Khan's sister, uh, Nanachka, was a big-time TV show writer and producer. Apparently, all, he also has a cousin who's a famous DJ. Quite the family combo. So to be clear, this is from August. This is not a recent tweet from Darren Ravel. Uh, DJ Valentino Khan also did SummerSlam. Remember that? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he did SummerSlam, which was which was in Las Vegas. Where's Nick Khan from? Las Vegas. Um, did you know this that that DJ Valentino Khan and Nick Khan were cousins? I made a joke. <laughs> when it was announced uh, to my First friends, they all look like a, a, a cousin Nick. I got you a gig. <laughs> I mean, cousin Valentino, I got you a gig. <laughs> and then here we are. Um, do we trust Darren Ravel's uh, statement here? Is he joking? Does why would Darren Ravel know something about t- Nick Khan and his who he might be related to or from the, anything well, from the, from, from, I mean, uh, uh, did Nick Khan represent Darren Ravel at one point? He did. Yes. Yeah. Yes, for many years. I think like fifteen years. Um, yeah. Yes, so he was he was Darren Ravel's agent. Uh, so anyway, another 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 gig for for Valentino Khan. Uh, moving on. Moving on. Uh, this is from the Athletic here, and uh, some TV rights news uh, when it comes to sports. With the window for MLS to hit, Commissioner Don Garber's stated goal of finalizing a media rights deal by the end of March rapidly closing. Multiple industry sources outlined the Athletic this week de- uh, details to the league's ongoing negotiations for a new agreement that will begin in 2023. According to sources, NBC, CBS, and Fox have not shown How much interest going. And the Sorry. league's rights, Fox, Fox is this. Thank you, Stephen. A. Uh, Fox <laughs> has been one of the league's broadcast partners in some form since 2003, but the network has scaled back in its coverage since the onset of the pandemic and is still regularly having commentators call matches from its Southern California studios instead of sending them to stadiums. NBC owns the American rights to the Premier League, but hasn't expressed in any interest in linking up again with MLS, which it broadcasts from 2012 to 2014. CBS has been more of a newcomer to soccer space and holds a variety of properties from around the world, including the UFA uh, champions league and Italian Sierra A and many uh, CONCAF world cup qualifiers, but it's also seen as at this time as a, isn't seen at this time, I'm sorry, as a serious player for MLS rights. Uh, now how this ties to wrestling here, obviously the media rights deal, but if you ask the common person in the United States, more of them have probably heard of the WWE over the ML over MLS. I think soccer is growing in this country, but it, the MLS is not. In my just in my opinion, from seeing, I have a lot of friends that 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 are really into soccer. 
and their favorite city teams are Man City, AC Milan, Manchester United, Chelsea Football Club. It's not the LA Galaxy or the New York, New Jersey, you know, Red Bulls or whatever. You know? Yes. It's very international sport. So there's, I don't know. I'm, I'm not no soccer follower, obviously, but it, it seems like a very fragmented set of leagues. Anyway, um, the, the first sign in a while that, I mean, we can talk about the caveats that you just kind of raised though, but first, first sign in a while that not everybody is, attracting really strong media rights values. I've also heard speculation. Well, they're still going to, they're still going to get an improvement actually from where they were. We'll, we'll see. Um, MLS, not the most popular sport soccer league though, which is what, what basically what you just said there. Um, Premier league is number one. Liga, mm-hmm. La Liga, I think is number two. Yes. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where, where MLS would, would fall after that, but Probably like five or six. I mean, maybe even later than that. I know Syrah is very popular, but this um, is the, US the German baseball. league is very popular. Like, yeah, but this is, I guess the, the, the notion is that this is the U S based one. This, these are the soccer events that people in the U S are most able to attend. Right. Cause these other events are not in the U S but they don't have the best players. Brandon. Yeah. The best players go to Europe. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So that's just something we don't have a ton of analysis on just, to keep our eye on. Yeah. I, I think just a real t- quick, l- put a finishing touch on that. And, you know, in comparison to wrestling, that would be talking about like a, a lower tier uh, wrestling organization compared to W and AEW trying to get a t- TV rights deal. You know what I mean? If you're looking at like a six or seventh brand trying to get a it's TV like rights deal, I think that'd M- be the comparison. MLS is like the MLW of, uh, of, of wrestling, maybe or something like that. I guess you could say, I don't know if ML, MLW would be the seventh brand, but I mean, they're lower than WBAW impact for sure. Okay. As far as, you know, current deals. Yes. Okay. Uh, you have that, that. That's all I've got here. So what, 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 what else do you have? Um, I just kind of want to talk about some WrestleMania week notes as we go into here. Uh, before, before we get to that, we do have a, the, why, don't, why, don't, why don't I interrupt you? We do have a, a super chat from Dr. Chris oh. Ely. Who's, who says it appeared on the screen for a moment, but uh, with with our uh, one of my new OBS things. But anyway, Doctor Chris Ely says, "Sup, bro? Just now catching you on the West Coast. Are you trying to imply nepotism in WWE? Not WWE." Three exclamation points. Thank you for the super chat. <laughs> um, no, WWE is a meritocracy, and I will hear nothing to the contrary. Moving on. All right. So uh, first of all, we'll talk about uh, WrestleMania itself, where you can catch it other than uh, in Dallas or on Peacock. Uh, But it's going to air live in theaters nationwide as part of Fathom events. Uh, Did we put out a press release earlier this week? Uh, It's good. They're going to air both events through Fathom events and they have a list of theaters. Fathom events. I, I know they're in Regals. I don't know if they're in AMCs as well. I think I looked up um, where you can watch this and you can watch it. You can watch it locally. You, like you, you could for us, like, and for a medium small market like Buffalo, there there are places for us to go watch this in, in a reasonable distance at a movie theater. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So and then I kind of want to talk just about um the other events that we have figures thanks to WrestleTix for uh that are going on WrestleMania week. Uh, let's first I'll talk about ring of honor because there's been a lot of conversation about this with obviously it being under new ownership and you're seeing a lot of AEW influence now on this ring of honor show. Um, but as of 
as of tw- about 20 out what 21 hours ago now uh this was released uh tickets distri- distributed were uh 1426 with available tickets of 463 so they got a capacity of 1889 so a little under 2000 there but that seems to be selling well um surprised that low of a capacity uh that they wouldn't look to kind of build that a little bit but that seems to be doing well sales wise yeah, uh, um, this this will be Tony Khan's first show as a Ring of Honor owner, booker, promoter. It sounds like he would prefer not to do an event that is WrestleMania weekend um, because he doesn't want to go into enemy territory. Um, so I would guess in the future we will not see uh, Ring of Honor with an event on, on WrestleMania weekend again. Uh but yeah, we'll see what, what Ring of Honor is like with Tony Khan behind it. Yeah, the, we're going to get a taste of it. But yeah, we've seen uh, so far a few, quite a few AEW uh, stars announced. I mean, we have the FDR versus Briscoe's match, which will will be uh, a fun one to watch. Uh, WWE news uh, as far as this. So the SmackDown Hall of Fame combo. Now, the most recent data from WrestleTix on Twitter, this was March 24th. But uh as of that date, there's only 790 available tickets left for that. So that uh, has a capacity of 11,722 uh, t- tickets distributed was 10,704. Now he has a, a stat here, combo tickets available to 28. I don't know if that includes raw or what that is, but the combo ticket, because it seems like if you buy it, no, it's, probably just, the, it's, it's probably just these two. I imagine that means SmackDown. And, oh no, oh no, you're right. Okay, I don't know what that means. That might, that maybe it does mean because those are not separate events. Yeah. Okay. Um. Then the next day, uh, NXT stand and deliver, and this was uh, the pretty interesting one here. Uh, they have a capacity of five thousand three hundred fifty two set up. Now this was as March twenty fourth. Uh, three thousand seven hundred thirteen tickets dis- distributed with still one thousand six hundred thirty nine available tickets. Not. To my surprises, I thought this event would probably sell the slowest of all the WWE shows. Yes, I, I'm, I'm trying desperately to keep up with you here. You should, you should, you should be pasting. You should paste these right into the into the slides. You have permission. Oh yeah, I, I will next time. Here. Yeah. What, what else? Um, all right, and then just the last one I want to touch about is the Monday Night Raw, uh, and traditionally sold out by now. Uh, in previous years, not sold out as of March 24th. Um, still 1,236 tickets available. They have a set of capacity of 11,208. Yes. That is, uh, maybe international travel has something to do with it. That's, that's the only thing I can think of. But, uh, a lot of pink on this, uh, map too of the, that indicates resale tickets that are available. Um, right. Mania after. Or the Raw after Mania used to be a really big deal, and um, that more this one more than anything just strongly suggests to me how the W fan base has changed in recent years. Maybe international travel is an issue. Maybe COVID is keeping people from traveling more just domestically. Um, but the fact that this Raw after Mania that used to be so so saturated with smart wrestling fans for lack of a better term is not, is not sold out right away is, is, is something uh, that, what, what does it tell me? I think it tells me that 
the fans, there's a lot of fans who have given up on WWE who, who used to be amped for, for an event like this because it, it became something that was not just a raw, one of the biggest weekly shows uh, that was conveniently after WrestleMania stay one day longer, but it became this sort of spectacle unto itself where like, you don't know what the crowd's going to do. And it would be like, it was a really fun show to watch. And that was part of the, the TV ratings appeal too. I mean, Rob will still probably do a really strong number after WrestleMania. Uh, it didn't in the pandemic 2020 year, uh, but it did last year. Uh, and the biggest pay-per-views often are followed by big ratings for raw relative to, to, to the recent weeks. So that's what I expect. But um, yeah, I, 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 uh, a change in the wrestling fan culture is what this indicates to me. And I, uh, you know, we don't have uh, figures or anything as far as the other stuff going around that weekend, but uh, it'd be interesting to see the turnouts for New Japan and Impact running at WrestleCon. Lower capacity, of course, for those events. New Japan is running. To- I didn't. I didn't even realize that. Yep. Yeah. So New J- New Japan is part of WrestleCon as well as Impact and AAA. I know I'll probably at least be at the AAA show oh. and maybe the Impact show uh, helping out uh, our good friends at GoPro Wrestling. So, Oh, wow. Are you going to be in a production role? Probably, yes. Runner or something of the type. Are you going to be, uh, are you going to be reprising your role as a uh, clusterfuck referee? Not in the, as of right now, no. There's been no 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 negotiations uh, of that. Uh, but I guess I'll I'll do an early shill if you didn't wouldn't mind, Brandon. As far as where you can find me uh, next week. So yeah, so I will be in Dallas for WrestleMania weekend. So if you are a WrestleNomics listener and you notice me, please stop and say hi. We'll talk. We'll chat. I'd love to meet as many people as usual. Yeah. Tell, tell them to stop being so negative about WWE. Yes, yeah, you could do that. Uh, but yeah, uh, Thursday night, uh, I get in uh, Thursday. Um, like I said, uh, you know, you're going to probably catch me multiple times at WrestleCon helping out the GoPro crew. But uh, Thursday night, I'll be doing comedy actually in Hat Tricks in Louisville, Texas, which is a suburb in that area at 7 30. It's a free comedy show. I'll be performing with some local Dallas comics and some uh, comics from Illinois that are also in the pro wrestling world. Uh, Friday. Uh, you can actually catch me for uh, at Zoa Live. That's going to be uh, at Cover All Bases in Arlington, Texas. And it's part of WrestleMania, but it's also a fundraiser for local youth baseball. Kind of trying to go to a natural audience uh, there, which is a pretty cool uh, concept. But uh, on that show, Gary J, uh, Missa Kate, uh, Devil Macabre, uh, Fly Death, who are a tag team trained by Booker T, who I think will end up being some breakout stars from that weekend. Um also, uh, Saturday, I have two shows you can catch me part of. I'll be at Texas Rough House at 2 p.m. This is all Central Standard Time, by the way. Uh, and that will be a free show. Um, $15 so is a live show, by the way. But this uh, is a free show Saturday at 2 for Texas Rough House. And it's got Rodney Mack, Marty the Moth, Sledge from Ring of Honor, uh, and others. And, th- and then uh, at 7.30 that night, I'll be in Fort Worth, Oh, by the way, the Texas Rough House show that's in Bedford, Texas at Turning Point Brewery. And then uh, at 7.30, I'll be at Fort Worth competing against WrestleMania, as you like to say. Yes. Brandon, uh, for This Is Manly at Tulip's uh, Music uh, Theater in uh, Fort Worth. And uh, on that show, we got Ricky Morton, Simon Gotch, Gringo Loco, and many more. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Uh, being a ring announcer in the Northeast, I don't really get to work with a lot of these talents from the West Coast and and, and so- Southern states. So it's going to be great to uh, work with 
a lot of talents I haven't worked with before. Any of the shows uh, on streaming like IWTV or Fight or both? Um, I, well, the Zoe Live show will eventually be on IWTV, but they are doing like a a five dollar live stream on Facebook Live. Um, I'm not sure about this is mainly in Texas Roughhouse what the streaming plans are for those yet, but okay. Um, there's something else I wanted to say, but I, I forget. Um, you know what I should do is, uh, I've been thinking about checking into this for, for last year or prior years. We could go through the cage match data and determine who had the most matches on WrestleMania weekend. Uh, there's pro- probably a script that I could modify to answer that question, at least with cage match. I mean, I imagine Cage Match will be pretty thorough when it comes to wrestling weekend, just given the the visibility of those events. But we'll see. I mean, Cage Match personally reached out to me to ask me information about an event. So really, they're definitely doing their research. Yeah, I thought for a second that um, did you see the, the this will be a little bit off off the track, but the the last ESW show, its Cage Match record. I know we discussed this has the attendance listed, and I was like, what? There's people from Cage Match want listening to WrestleMania, which there might be. Um, <laughs> But no, that was on the website. That's where you, that's where you got that number from. That that is not a number that you extracted from ESW management yourself, but that no. ESW management posted, or at least somebody yes. from ESW. Posted I think that. it was higher than that number, but that number was more of a. Uh, I think hey, we at least had more than uh, Excite's biggest draw that they always like to brag about four forty. So okay, uh, yes, you will not be joining us next week. Is that is that true? I will not be unless we do like some type of Lee Marshall, uh, you know, the road report, uh, 1-800-COLLECT. Uh, so, but, uh, yeah, just logistically with travel and everything. And ha- I mean, we, we go high production here yes. as our high, high production as we can. And it's hard to kind of travel with all this stuff to Dallas, uh, especially I'll be lugging my suitcase all around the DFW area doing wrestling shows. So. Yeah. So I have, uh, I'll do something. I'll, I'll still be here next week. I'll still be here. Uh, uh, maybe I'll get somebody to to uh, sub in for you. We'll see though. Uh, anything else? Uh no. Just like I, just very uh, very excited for the upcoming. Oh, rediscovering indies wise, we're gonna have uh, a new episode on Wednesday, part two of the Burt Prentice deep dive on the promotions he's running. So mm. uh, look out for that. We're gonna talk Ozark Mountain Wrestling and Music City Wrestling and more. So outstanding. Okay. Uh, you can hit the thumbs up. That really helps us. Uh, it helps the the algorithmic editor. The, the, the YouTube does have an editor. It is the algorithm. A thumbs up helps us. Uh, helps people discover WrestleNomics. Subscribe, share, all that stuff. Thanks to uh, Post Wrestling, as always, for helping distribute WrestleNomics. We have to thank all our subscribers on Patreon. We have set a new record. See, you 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 spend this entire podcast, Chris Glow putting down WWE. And here we are, WrestleMania weekend, WrestleMania week, WrestleMania month. Actually, it's April, but you know what I'm saying. The route to WrestleMania and our business is benefiting from the thing that you hate. So, there. <laughs> um, anyway, you can go to, to patreon.com slash WrestleNomics and get my TV ratings reports. Um, I, I continue to... Uh, I'm working on a lot of things related to quarter hours. I mean, quarter, by the way, quarter hours, no promises. This data is always subject to change because of availability. But uh, quarter hours for all AEW and W programs uh, are up there for the last two weeks, I think. Um, I continue to do some uh, analysis with Python. 
to basically I've written a program that will meta tag. Have I talked about this already? Tell me if I have that will meta tag the video, the YouTube video titles and my self-written quarter hour labels. So this is a description of what the content yep. is. I've talked yeah, about, you this talk about this yet. The comparison yeah. with the segments. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. So I'm, I'm continuing to, um, to work on that and, and, you know, sort of subsequent to that to figure out a way to actually analyze quarter hours in a way that might actually make them meaningful. And what I'm leaning towards here is basically discarding anything that's not a, not a really clear top performer. And what we, how I'm going to determine what's a, a clear top performer is basically saying, uh, for this show, take all these quarters, these eight quarters or whatever they are and say, um, what had the strongest sequential growth from the prior quarter? Or what had what was the most watched quarter in eighteen to forty nine? In the case of Q one, since it doesn't have sequential growth from the prior quarter of its own show, we're taking the meaning of the last four. This is great, great audio, I'm sure. Anyway, I uh, I, I oh, am hoping to do more reporting soon on Google Trends, YouTube video views, and things of that nature. Roman and Brock are the top three video videos on YouTube for the entire month of March. Jeff Hardy and the Hardy boys and or the Hardy boys are the number are the top four videos of the month for AEW. Uh, I think that has real meaning that doesn't, those YouTube views themselves don't immediately draw that much money, several thousand dollars, but uh, that tells you something I think about economics, who's drawing interest and things of that nature. Anyway, that's all. Uh, I'll be back with live TV ratings talk this Thursday. Uh, and we'll talk to you next time.